When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Final hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on from Nashville alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine Distillery and Brewery here on site. Got the taco stand, hot dogs, everything else, and by, by far the best for all of your sports viewing, weeknights or weekends, they've got the place packed for you with the biggest screen indoors in town. If you're in town, if you're going to be around town, if you're planning a trip to Nashville, swing by and see us at the Outkick Studios here at 6th and Peabody. I stayed in Boston at a Westin that I like. It's very near Logan Airport. It's just like you go through the tunnel and it's, it's right there. Used to be near some good seafood restaurants. They're closed. Yeah. Or they were closed by the time I got back anyway. But you walk in, and there's a very impressively large TV, much like this TV. But it's purposeless. It's, it's to show off like you, that you can see it from outside coming through the revolving doors and stuff. But when you walk in, there's nowhere to sit in front of this TV. Like you might stand there and watch it for a minute before you walk down the corridor to go check in or whatever. What was on the it's TV? Complete, so, uh, sports center or a game or whatever you might stand there and watch it for a minute but it's not a place you would gather to watch this super large tv and i wanted to scream at the tv like yeah you're big but you're not like sixth and peabody i can't sit down and drink yeah. drink moonshine cocktails or beers in front of you yeah unlike the west and they want you to gather here to watch games right they don't want people to gather in their lobby <laughs> to watch the tv that's to well, impress also, you the from the game. parking lot is what it is. It's to yeah. impress you when you pull up in your car. Well, it's to impress their guest when they're checking in, too. What's well, With the hopes that the guests don't, don't, the don't just camp out yeah. and sit there and watch well, You the can't game. even check. It's before You have to take a right and go down a little bit to check in. Hmm. It's like a walk-in TV. Like, it just you see it when you walk in. Paul, you have me wanting to stay at this place now just to see what the heck you're talking yeah. about. By the way, I meant I, to tell I'm, you I'm about a, hard road trip to Boston. a hotel I stayed in previous two trips ago. It's one of those hotels where you punch in, you have to put your card under it, and you punch in your floor, and then it assigns you your, your elevator. Why these are not more popular in skyscraper hotels, I don't know. It's phenomenal. You put your card under, you say you're on floor 21, you know, 2106, and, they give and then you it the, says you're uh, on elevator. elevator C. It's fantastic. There's no fire, you know, you don't have to space yourself out with people. It organizes the whole thing for you. This should be all the rage. And then I stayed at a Best Western. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess what? No elevator. Yeah, stairs. Yeah, we we were just stairs. excited that it wasn't exterior facing. Yeah. No we escalator either. We showed up and I said, look, it's, it's, it's interior, interior entry. It's great. It's perfect. <laughs> and that concludes this we week's never, episode of yeah. Hotel Talk. What's funny is your Weston, or whatever place you were at the time before, you had multiple elevators to, to pick from. We couldn't find the one elevator in this place. I still know where it is. I don't know if it exists. We went up the stairs every time. It it. said elevator a certain way. We never saw it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was a two-floor hotel. It looked like an old mental hospital. That's a a message for you to take the stairs, get your steps in. It looked like somewhere you go lock up, you know, and chain someone to a bed. It was a hotel that felt like you were getting as best as... 
It yeah, felt like you were Chad getting, offered. I wasn't in the mood. It felt like you were getting as best as poisoning walking through the halls. <laughs> you know, like where they, it's like a certain age that yeah. you know they don't have. That would have been in Gainesville. Not, smells not like awesome. the non the non cancer causing <laughs> asbestos. Smells like the seventies. It's like a weird <laughs> hallway. <laughs> big time for asbestos. No? Yeah, yeah. That was the type of hotel we were in. Opelika, Alabama. Sounds Boston, a, Massachusetts. God's country. That sounds a lot like the Holiday Inn in Appleton, Wisconsin, where I'm sure a lot of Green NFL Bay. teams still stay when they go to Lambeau Field. No, that, that not, hotel, not I've stayed at that hotel. That one's better than where we were. Yeah, you had it during your lightning storm? It, it still had a rotary phone the last time I was but there. We could, we could spend... That's art now, Dave. We could spend entire shows <laughs> on bad road trip hotels oh. with media and good hotels we've stayed oh, at. Yeah. Well, the single, good the, and bad. the single best hotel story since we're there is that the Titans, the year that they were still the Tennessee Oilers, and they stayed in Memphis for their home games, and the players would carve their initials into the soap, and they would leave it in the shower. Oh. They'd get assigned the same room, to and they see, came back two weeks later. Oh, to see if it would be clean? And it would still <laughs> be there. Their initials in the soap would still be in the shower. Yeah. That's not that good. That is amazing. It was brilliant I, by them. I don't think I even used the soap at this Best Western just to, to not risk it. <laughs> no soap. It's a no soap kind of trip. Uh, the, are we going to have a 12-team playoff, an 18 playoff, any expanded playoff? you see the statement playoff? today? It was the most non-statement statement Well, ever. the statement's out. Now there's, now there's details out. So the, the college football playoff committee met today to no resolution on expansion, although they continue to say they're close. Uh, Bill Hancock, who's a nice guy, blows smoke left and right. And he do, he's done this for years, even when we had the BCS. We'd make the rounds and say, guys, stop talking about college football playoff. Everybody's on board with the BCS. Now he's saying the same thing about the four-team playoff. And you know he, he's there to push and back anything that the committee and the college football needs him to do. But he's saying like, hey, guys, this is incredibly complex. I know you're tired of me saying it, but it is. He's saying this to the media today on why it's taking so long. Really, what's complex about it is the television agreements and whether or not we're going to see eight teams or 12 teams. There are some commissioners who are all for the eight teams because of the automatic bids you would receive as the conference champion. Chad, I believe in the 18 playoff, the Power Five, you'd have the five conference champions and then three at large. Yeah, let's, let's, I, I believe that's let's the say model. what's really happening here. It is Greg Sankey and the SEC versus everyone else. Right. Well, Greg Sankey is saying 12 Greg or nothing. Greg Sankey or, or and nothing. the ESPN versus everyone else. And every other – I get wins. so sick of every other conference, their fans, their commissioner, their coaches, arguing that the SEC is not that dominant. And we got a good conference. We could be every bit as good as the SEC. But then all of their actions show that they are afraid of the SEC because the fear is – if they go to 12, there's going to be six or seven SEC teams getting into that field if we don't have automatic qualifiers. So we have to create a system where it's eight and we keep it to only three max SEC but teams all they and have, have five automatic qualifiers. And Sankey is, he is completely against eight. He's, he, his vote and his, his opinion is it's going to be 12 or we're keeping it at four. There's no in-between on that. Uh, Sankey continues to support the top six conference champions in the 12-team model. He says it doesn't need to be automatic for the Power Five. Um, he says, I'll risk the need to earn that status. 
whenever he says the the automatic uh, five uh, automatic power five bids there. He wants to sit, have the top six conference champions in the twelve team model, and then you have the at large bids on top of that with all of it. And and the with no the other commissioners want five teams from the five conference champions and then three at large for the eight team model. But all Sankey and anybody that wants the twelve team model, what I would do, I want the twelve team model. Twelve. Just throw up the top twelve rankings today. And tell me where the SEC teams are. Where are these six or seven SEC teams uh, for the top 12 teams if this is what you were going to do? To me, this is very fair to everyone that would want a piece of the pie in this. Look around. Ole Miss, Alabama, and Georgia are your representatives right now for the college football playoff in the top 12. You also have three from the Big Ten. You've got... Three from the future Big 12, if you count Cincinnati. And you've got three mm-hmm. from that, the Big 10. It's, it's perfect. Right. And you've got two independents in BYU and Notre Dame. No, is this every year? No, it's not every year. You've um, got but, one but Pac-12. Uh, to, to argue that it's just going to be dominated by the SEC, I mean, uh, first off... SEC's going to beat itself up also. Yeah, but I mean, you, you could also say, like if you're getting the at-large bids... You would have the conference champions, and then you would see, like, okay, does a three-loss Ole Miss, for instance, should they be in based on who they lost to and how they played versus a one-loss team that, you know, again, like, it's it's all, if you not if you lose, but how you lose, that argument that I, I, I live by. Like, I, I believe in that. A team that is has two losses can be better than a team with one. Did they want to write in? But, the, but like, that's also, to me, that's extremely fair in this, too. Uh, where you expand the playoff and you're going to have a bigger piece of the pie because teams six and seven who would not be in the conference playoff or the championship playoff right now, like Ohio State, would still be in the mix right now in the 12-team playoff. Every other commissioner that's not Greg Sankey comes across as soft and scared in this. Now, I'll also say this. Every one of these commissioners are only looking out for their own self-interest and their own league and not what is best for college football. It just so happens to be that this is a time where Greg Sankey looking out what's best for his league and what's best for the bottom line for everyone happens to be in line with what's also best for college football. So that's why I support Greg Sankey. This is not a me as an SEC guy versus the world. This is me siding with Greg Sankey because even though Greg Sankey's looking at it selfishly, what is selfishly good for the SEC and for everyone from a money standpoint, also creates the most compelling product. And that's why I side with him on this one. But every other commissioner will want to make these bold statements about how strong their league is and how they're not afraid of anyone and how they can compete with the SEC at all levels, and then they get behind closed doors and they try to go to an 18 playoff because they're afraid of the SEC. Well, I mean, and that is really what's going on. I don't know that I have a huge objection if if part of it included no more than 35% of your league could go or no more than 40% of your league could go. That is never going to happen. I just All right, so put it in there and that'll shut them up. Preventing, but why? I mean, if Greg Sankey's right in saying, why are we trying to create a system where it's just not the 12 best teams? Right. Let's just go with the 12 best teams and see what happens. The year where it should happen, I would like for it to be allowed to happen. If if more than 35%, Paul, or whatever, then I know you're just giving an example. If more than 35%, 35 of the is SEC 5. is 6. deserving, I would want that model to be available. 
Um, I don't see how it's possible, like like Chad's saying, like you would have beaten yeah, yourself up enough. Yeah, but I mean, if there's enough. a crazy year where there's six SEC teams with two or three, you know, two losses or less, or something weird happens and there's six deserving teams, then send them. I'd say the same about the Big Ten. If there's a year where there's six Big Ten teams that belong in there in the top 12, send them. This is where the SEC looks so much stronger than everyone else is Greg Sankey's not sitting here complaining about, oh, well, the Big Ten and the media bias is going to get you guys six or seven teams. He's saying, send the best teams. You do your thing, we'll do ours. We'll see what happens. If it's going to cost them years of getting it done, massage it somehow and get it done. Well, I don't think it will cost them years. They're going to meet again in January. Uh, I don't know how the vote's going down. I don't even know if they're taking a vote. They, they just know they're not at consensus. That, that, that's what's being relayed to the media after they meet. Um, and, 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 and Hancock has said, look, possible expansion, it's possible that it would not take place until after the 2025-26 season, which is when the contract runs out. Um, on the current model with the television agreements. But it could happen well before then. It could happen very soon if they come to an agreement on all of this. And there's just too much... At the end of all of this, there is too much money at stake for them to sit around and wait five years. Right? Like, I... There, I, I see this happening sooner rather than later, no matter what the yeah, who's what the they're party saying that's going to stall it. I mean, ESPN isn't going to well, stall what's, it. What's going to win? What's going to win here? Ego or greed? Because it's ego that's preventing the deal from happening from everyone that's not Greg right. Sankey, and it's greed that is propelling Greg Sankey and should be propelling everyone else. Greed will win over ego eventually. I agree. Too mu- too much money there uh, to to say no to. At least from my perspective. Um. It's, it's pride, ego, greed. These are the three well, things that's pulling everyone but, in some direction. And I think ultimately greed will win unlike, out. Right now it's the pride and ego of Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, everyone else. That's I saw, preventing what should happen from happening. I, I saw, though, where someone, I was listening to some show, was saying, oh, you know, just whatever model they come up with, a decade from now it's not going to be good enough, so they'll go back to the drawing board just like they're doing now. Well, they moved to the four team. Now they're looking for expansion is, you know, a, a decade later, whatever. My, my, my only counter to that is if you're not a part of the SEC and the current expansion model, and who knows where we're headed, I still don't think they're done after adding Oklahoma and Texas. If you're, if you're not a part of that move and you're not a part of the ESPN television contract in, in bed with them, so to speak, if you give up something now, you're likely not getting it back when you try to negotiate or fix whatever issue is going on because the SEC has too big, too much of a pot. It's not like they're going to say, you know what? You know, hindsight being what it is, we do have too much of the pie. We need to go back and renegotiate the parameters of a 12-team playoff. They won't budge an inch on it once it's set. So you're trying to win whatever you possibly can in this while you have a voting power here. But I mean, it's t- it's tough to turn down what's at stake and what's at stake is billions. Again, greed will ultimately win. It's just a matter of time and how quickly can that happen. Yeah, Bowlesby, in the, in the Bowlesby's meantime, in favor of the 12 team playoff by the way. In the meantime, um, you know, go ahead hire these great coaches that you're spending a fortune on to get your teams as good as they can be to get them in the playoffs. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. We'll continue the discussion of the college coaching movement 
and look at it from Heupel's perspective at Tennessee and why Tennessee got it right when they, when they hired him. We'll give our examples of what year one has looked like for him. Maybe even bat around some scenarios of, of bowl games that are potential for the Vols and look at it from the Oklahoma perspective on, man, if he's the right guy and he's your former quarterback, how do you not pick up the phone and call him and mend, mend those, those feelings, right? It's bizarre to hear some of the stories coming out about how the two sides hate each other. And just look at it. If you're a Tennessee fan thinking, oh, don't bring this up. Think about it from a Peyton Manning perspective. If you had your, co- your quarterback and you had your Heisman finalist who was a great college coach not even be interested in the job because he doesn't like your university, it's bizarre. That's next on Outkick 360. Are we really about to see another Major League Baseball lockout? Yes. But it Amazing. sounds like this one is... Uh, <laughs> it's just a routine one. Yeah. I know that was rhetorical very, somewhat. Very routine. Yeah. Um, I, I get the feeling from what I've read about this one that there's not a lot of doubt that it will get concluded yeah. in time for spring training and, and regular season. I, I don't feel like there's this nervousness about it that baseball's going to be at risk. I'll kick 360 rolls on. Yeah, so the deadline is tonight at 11.59 Eastern. Yankees will sign Freddie Freeman at eleven fifty-eight. Oh. Chad, your thoughts? I've heard his name. I've heard his name. What again. would happen? What the, would happen? It's the name. only place that would make me dislike Freddie Freeman forever. <laughs> and I still would dislike him. We'd both dislike him. You would not dislike in him in time, maybe. But in, at the in time, in mid-April, when he has a two-home run night, mm-hmm. you're going to come in here touting Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman. Mm-hmm. Yep. All I've right. seen this. I've seen this story play out before. Where you initially hate someone and they get there and they start doing something good for your never, team and you're going to like them. I've never really liked any of the Red And Sox. I have no problem with that. I just have a problem with you claiming that you won't love I've them never eventually. Really you have relief with Correa with the 10-year deal with Houston, right? Didn't oh, he get, did he sign? I, well, I thought so. I thought I read that. Not as of this morning. Oh, well, maybe he's going to get a counter from New York. I read that as was a done I thing. don't get the sense the Yankees are doing anything until this lockout's over. I thought Adrian Peterson was done. I'll, I'll admit. He is whenever, done. Whenever, if somebody's signing him, that doesn't mean he's not done. He's joining Seattle. Yeah. He's, uh, he worked out with you the Seahawks, and then they're adding him to their practice squad, which means they're about to elevate him to their regular roster. Well, By the way, if uh, Adrian Peterson's joining Seattle and Seattle's done, that doesn't mean Adrian Peterson's done. Cron.com had a story two hours ago that says why Carlos Correa's decision is likely to drag on until February. Oh, wow. So okay. that's the latest. Um, well, because the Yankees are excited. <laughs> that's what I want to happen. You, There's another story from Los Angeles <laughs> that says, do the Angels need to pivot to Carlos Correa after their pitching plans fall through? <laughs> Can you imagine the Seattle uh, pro scouting department looking at the Adrian Peterson Tennessee film and saying, yeah, yeah, let's do it. You know what he really needs to do? He just needs to run a little bit lower. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be fine. We'll just get him the bend a little bit more. His son was right. If he just gets a little lower, he's, he's great. He's an all-pro again. Yeah, that's that's weird. Seattle's bad yeah, football that's a strange team right one. now. Though, If he's going somewhere, he needs to go to a bad football team. The Vols turned out to be a good football team. Not great. Good. Uh, solid season for Josh Heupel in year one. And you know, exceeded expectations based on what we saw in some of these games throughout the season from where they started and what he inherited. Um, 
And I've mentioned time and time again, the thing I like most about Josh Heupel is he did not refer to what he inherited as something that, you know, brick by brick or, oh, we need to hit the recruiting trail because we've got, and they do need to do that. But he didn't use that as an excuse to lay a foundation of poor results or use it as an excuse because of a loss. That's what is most encouraging is he took over what he had and he provided what was an entertaining product along the way with one game to play. What do you think they end up doing for a bowl game, Chad? If let's, let's let's throw out some scenarios for Alabama winning or losing this weekend and what it could ultimately mean for their location of a bowl game. Let's first, though, start with the season for Josh Heupel yeah. because I think you're right, Hutton. Good team, great season. Mm-hmm. Based on expectation, but also when you look at some of the losses also, seven wins, if you told Tennessee fans that coming in, they would take taking it. Yeah. No questions asked. Don't care Absolutely. who you beat in that. Seven wins, great season in year one with a depleted roster. There were 20 spots under the scholarship limit with this team, with all the transfers and turmoil with Jeremy Pruitt's departure, everything else. They win seven. They play the toughest schedule in America. This is the ESPN stats and info. Toughest schedule in college football. And they had number eight Ole Miss and number 15 Pitt on the ropes at Mm -hmm. home. I mean, that is, I know it's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda, but think if they get one of those, either Ole Miss or Pittsburgh, and you're looking at eight wins, possibly nine, and you've got a top 15 college football playoff win on the resume. And they had every opportunity uh, to beat you know, one of those teams, both 8 and 15 in the playoff, they're also seven points away from having the highest scoring season in school history. In year one, with a quarterback replacement happening during the season. There are a lot of reasons to be excited about Josh Heupel in Tennessee football. And I think the biggest thing for me and the takeaway from those seven wins in this team is just that they know who they are. This is a very self-assured coach and staff that believes in what they do offensively, that belief permeates to the roster, they're really good at what they do, which is very different from most every team out there, and because of that, they go in with a lot of confidence that they're going to move the ball and score because other teams aren't ready for it because there's really no way to prepare for it unless you're Ole Miss and running at a similar clip in terms of pace. It's almost impossible to prepare for this offense recruiting is starting to pick up a little bit. They get a commitment from Christian Harrison, Rodney Harrison's son. Um, If that starts to go well, the sky is the limit for this Tennessee football program. I I bring this up not because I want it to happen, just because I I bring it up because I think it would be a smart move. Everything you just said, Chad, is absolutely true, which makes him the perfect hire for Oklahoma. really does. I mean, how do you deny the former quarterback – who has done what he's just done, if you're looking to just keep up with what you've been doing at Oklahoma, it makes too much sense. You've got Stoops there. He and Stoops don't see eye to eye. And according to reports, they haven't talked on the on the phone since he was fired, which was 2014. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, and I may be a year or two off on that. But it's bizarre. And I, I based on where they are in the, the Oklahoma I'm talking about, it makes way too much sense just to pick up the phone and say, hey, come home and make an offer that he can't refuse. What do you feel it's, about It's like, bizarre that they haven't done that. What's his geographical? I know he's from Aberdeen, South Dakota. Does he have like a, a regional 
feel to him, Chad? Well, so, I mean, I guess you would say like Midwest for most of his career. He's from Aberdeen, South Dakota. His dad was a coach at, at uh, Northern State, I think it is there in, in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Um, same place where Don Meyer, basketball mm. legend, finished his career. Um, went to junior college, then went to Oklahoma, won a national title, coached at Oklahoma, uh, I think pretty much from that point on, gets fired, goes to Missouri, Missouri, does really well, gets hired from Missouri at Central Florida, Central Florida to Tennessee. So it was Oklahoma and Missouri for the majority of his career, and then really Oklahoma majority of his career, then Missouri, short time, did really well. Then goes to UCF, three years. They probably had some affinity for Norman beyond having just gone there. I just here's the here's the the difference though. He got he was a scapegoat. Him and Jay Norvell got fired as offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinators, because Bob Stoops needed someone to fire. They get fired. Jay Norvell's doing great things in Nevada. They got a chance to do some things. Yes, I say Nevada because of the show Veep where they pr- correct the pronunciation. It's not Nevada. It's Nevada. They, he's he's going to have a chance at some big-time jobs. Josh Heupel has gone on, made his own career. Bob Stoops is there now as a figurehead again. The guy who made him Heisman Trophy, you know, Heisman Trophy runner-up, um, national champion, the scapegoat, got fired. He didn't think he should get fired. They don't speak from that point yeah. on. I think Josh Heupel is vindictive when it comes to Oklahoma. You gotta, I, and, you gotta and by the way, that, that, is a, that is a good quality I, to have as a coach. Whether you're I, hiring times. him or not, you got to patch Well, I want to jump in on that for the because good of the program. Venables also left for Clemson from Stoops, and they didn't speak for a while. And they've since patched things up in like two or three years ago, according to The Athletic, and that's why they brought up the path on, on, on why it makes sense for Venables with Stoops there as the figurehead and why it makes sense that they would lean on him if, if, if in fact, they, they need to make a hire after getting turned down by some, some bigger names Stoops as, they, burned a lot of as bridges, they were insinuating. Huh? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think from, from Stoops' perspective, they had been together from 99 to 2013 whenever he left. And I, from what I understand, Venables made the decision to leave, not the other way around. I may be off on that. Well, here's, here's he where it was. It wasn't like Heupel was fired. Right. You know, but here's, Venables doesn't turn it into a thing where they don't talk. I mean, uh, Stoops, Stoops was just has like, to be part of You're in or you're out, see ya. And, and since then, they have, they have since talked, patched things up. And that has not been the case with, with Heupel and Stoops, according to everyone. I'm not, you know, I'm not privy to the behind-the-scenes conversations between the two, but based on that report, they're saying that they still have not talked. Here's and where that, also, that's what it would take. Here's where, and I, I look, I get it. Like if it's your school and you really feel your heart is there, it takes two calls to make things right. You know, there's probably someone else, some booster that would need to make it right with Josh Heupel. But here's where it also makes sense for Oklahoma, Tennessee. I may be one or two spots off here. Someone's going to crush me <laughs> if I am. I think they're tenth all time in college football wins. Oklahoma and USC are in the top five all time in college football wins. Oklahoma just lost a coach as a top five all-time program and wins to another top five all-time program wins team in USC. You want to know how you regain whatever you lost with that in terms of perception? Go hire the head coach of another top 10 all-time program in Tennessee. If you want to just have a flex, you go hire Josh Heupel because Josh Heupel's the coach at Tennessee, which, yeah, Tennessee's not been very good 
the last 10 to 15 years. But Tennessee, historically, is one of the best programs in the country. Oklahoma so if, if you sixth. want to have a flex, you go get it. Oklahoma 6th, Tennessee 12th, if you're counting Yale, Harvard, and Penn. Well, of so, the Power Five, they're still... Ninth. Yeah. So top 10. Two top 10 programs. That would be the, the ultimate flex that they could pull off. Would be go hire... Now you go hire Tennessee's coach. Oh, USC hired our coach? We'll go hire Tennessee's coach who is a revered program, historic program, from the conference we're about to join. And I'm I'm not bringing up the topic because I think Oklahoma's going to hire him or anything. But initially, whenever the name was brought up, it was like, oh, no, they won't do that because because here's why. And I'm just asking the question, why not? It makes I think they're making a mistake by not trying to mend those issues. Should be on their radar. Yes. Um, it, it makes too much sense to replace Lincoln Riley with another guy who is all about the program, which would be Josh Heupel going back to the program. Uh, it, again, get it right. And to me, this makes sense to do the right thing and, and bring in Heupel. I think it would be a home run for, for what he could bring back to the program and what they, what they, I mean, I want to say bring back, I mean, they're wanting a sense of loyalty, right? That's exactly what happens there. And he's he's proven that he can come in in year one and get results. Well, yes. And and here, here's the you never say never until something happens. And it's eerily quiet coming out of Norman right now. You're eerily right. quiet. I agree. Not really getting any solid info on who they're talking to, if they're interviewing someone off-site, if they're bringing people in. There's no firm info coming out of there except for the national college football guys putting out their top, their hot list right, for the job, right, right? Right, right. And Josh Heupel appears at the bottom on some of them. And on some of the ones, like a Bruce Feldman, who I follow for news like this, he's not on there at all for them. Um, I, I also deep down believe I, Josh Heupel just does not seem like the type to want to leave Tennessee after one year. I think he'd be fine if he wanted, if his agent wanted to use this for a raise, uh, bonus money to assistance, more money for assistance, some sort of facility upgrade that he wants. I could see him doing that. It just does not it does not fit from a personality standpoint of Josh Heupel that he would bolt for Oklahoma, the alma mater that fired him in 2014, to leave Danny White, the AD who gave him his shot at a really good program, right? He was an he was an a fired offensive coordinator who did well at Missouri as an offensive coordinator, that was a big leap at the time. I remember when they hired Josh Heupel, I thought, what? UCF is the point now with Scott Frost, what he did there. They could have gone and got some pretty heavy hitters. Yeah. And they hired an offensive coordinator from Missouri who was previously fired four years before from Oklahoma. That was Danny White. Oh, by the way, the guy who hired him to be a coach in the SEC at Tennessee. It just, that part of it, while everything you're saying, Hutton, lines up for Oklahoma to make this move or attempt to make the move, everything else lines up to me for Josh Heupel to stay put in Knoxville. I, I hear all that, but if it, just for the hypothetical scenario, let's put Peyton Manning in this role with Tennessee. Everyone here would be clamoring, fix the issues that are going on behind the scenes and bring him home. That would right now here's after the, after well, the also, coach here's the difference for USC. Peyton Manning would never get fired at Tennessee. If Peyton Manning got fired at Tennessee, he would not be uh, having a Tennessee uh, Yeti Cup 
on his Monday Night Football broadcast, they would be done at that point. Well, here's because that's too. the competitor Peyton Manning is. There's, he is done with them if they fired him, and he felt like he shouldn't be fired if he came back to be their offensive coordinator. That's the big part of that. Peyton Manning isn't coming back either. Also, two two stages here. There's the stage where you try to repair the relationship to have a conversation with him, and right. there's the hiring. Right. They should at least be at the ability to have a conversation. Approach. Now, also, approach do we think, your alum. Do we think with, with Bob Stoops and watching him in that press conference and his personality and his swagger and all the things he was saying about being a program guy and all of this and him really taking command of this, it looks like coaching search, but also the program right now, do we think Bob Stoops is the type of guy to swallow his pride and make that phone call well, to Josh if, Heupel if, and say, I'm sorry, Josh, I was wrong, you were right? No, but let's meet halfway. If, if he's a program guy and he's not going to be the guy and he wants a program guy, how many program guys does he have? Josh Heupel is one of them. It's, it's intriguing. Let's give, I'm going to give Heupel some credit here. It, it would be very easy for him to play into this from his agent role and get a big raise right now. Which may be going on behind the scenes. Well, no, I'm publicly is how it works. I you think get mentioned I think Tennessee and talked is, about and it's temp, it's tempting that he's going to leave and then you have to come in and double down immediately. I would be and surprised if Tennessee's not already working something I'm out. I'm sure with they him are. Right now. I'm sure they are. But he's not going the public route. Uh, no matter is, what you're working on behind the scenes, things ramp up when it goes public that you're about to take another job at Oklahoma that just opened up where you played. You add on a couple million to the top of the of the pile of cash that he's already going to get an extension after one year, and I, I, they they should work on that anyway. That's the cost of doing business right now in the Power Five. My point being, props to him for not playing into the coaching raise season. He's getting it e- either way, but he could double down and get a couple extra things thrown in if he wanted to. I I respect the fact I, that he's not doing it that you way. Gotta like that he handles things the right way so far. Like it, now. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, he, he's named the coach at Oklahoma and, and Knoxville Burns. You know, we'll be we'll be singing a different tune. I'm, Chad, I'm joking. Get your here. list ready. Oh, I'll, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have a list. Uh, the, uh, we gotta part, have phones tomorrow. Part of the op- one of the options on the list will be fold the program <laughs> at that point. Uh, yeah. I I think there's a scenario where Tennessee announces a contract extension for Heupel before Oklahoma names a coach. Great. Before they get to the point where they name a coach. They are headed in the right direction if that's the case. They already are with Heupel, and that's the point of this conversation. They did a great job. They, he has Tennessee going in the right direction, and we know that after four months of football. That's outstanding for Tennessee fans. You should feel great. Now, the next two months in recruiting are going to tell us a lot too, but in the transfer portal. But Oklahoma, my point being, Oklahoma should recognize that. To me, it's a no-brainer from where I sit based on what I've seen. And I have no dog in the fight here when it comes to Tennessee football and what Heupel's doing versus going to Oklahoma. I just know a good coach, and that's exactly what he's done. He's been great in year one, and it would make sense in Norman, except for the fact that the former quarterback doesn't want to be there. It's odd. Uh, coming up, let's discuss coaching hot seats across the NFL. There's a couple of spots, but how many spots may actually open? And is there one job where turmoil is caused yet again in college football. Next on Outkick 360. Been a fun show here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, you said you're going through the early winter depression where it gets really dark. Yeah, I think it's called it looks, seasonal depression. Seasonal depression? Yeah. 
I'd get it as soon as the clocks change. I mean, it's dark at 4.15 Central Time. I go home, and then I unwind from work. And when I'm done unwinding from work, it's like time to be in like pre, pre-bed mode. Yeah. <laughs> which is also unwinding. So it's all unwinding. Yeah, and it's just the first time where it's you know cold outside at night. You like cold. That's I, why I'm I, against you. I do you. like the cold, but it's... It's, I don't know. It's bad. It's, it, it, I just don't have a lot to look forward to. You know what? Get one of those, get one of those lights that like pretends to be daylight. Let me know how that works. I kid. But it's, uh, there's not, yeah, it's just, it zaps my interest in planning a lot of things. We know. Right? Like I'm just not, usually when the weather's better or that's a light out longer, I'm in the mood to plan more things. I just want to. I want to plan the end of my day. That's what I want to plan <laughs> yeah, now. That's the only planning over. I'm doing. Hey, congratulations to Jacob Swanson. Uh, we know him as Jakob Swanson. He is what a dart throwing champion. Oh, he won his championship last night throwing darts. What's the grand prize? What's it called, Jacob? Just yell it out. The season. Oh, they won, the they season. won their season oh, of season throwing darts. There you yeah. go. Yeah. You know, if you don't win the tournament, that, that regular season title doesn't mean much. No, right. no listen. We're, we, Jacob, you need to be initiated. We're in Nashville now. We hang banners for anything. So we're going to hang a banner in here oh, for yes, a regular season championship. And what's that other game you play we with the German We still need to do name? Chad's, uh, Chad's uh, parade, by the way. Hammer. Yeah. We want a hammer schlagen <laughs> flag also. <laughs> Did you win money with this championship? Gift cards. Gift cards. Gift cards uh, certificates. Yeah, okay. so, he's really talking. He doesn't want to get ahead of himself. Jacob, this is just the season. Jacob this is not has, the postseason. Jacob has one speed of speech. You notice that? We really need to be quick in and out. Well, yes, no. Give we really us need quick. a microphone. And he's got to give the entire the entire thing Let's every get time. Him back, we can. almost need Ellie to translate for us during the breaks, and then she can relay the info to us and say it in a much quicker way. Congratulations, Jacob. That's a, Jacob, a great win. Champion. He is a champion. World champion. World champion. Way to go, Jacob. Uh, so we're about a month away from Black Monday in the NFL where jobs are going to be open. The question is how many? We had, what, six openings last year? Seven? Sounds right. Six, six or seven. seven. Um, Arthur Smith's doing the best of the new coaches right now. Um, Paul, as you look and survey the league, how many potential openings do you see as we begin December football across well, the league? Well, let's go through some teams that suck. The Texans aren't going to change a year in. Jaguars aren't changing. Unless he leaves. Unless he leaves. Right. The Lions aren't going to change with Campbell, what they've got invested. Two coaches we've talked about at times this year, Denver with Fangio, Minnesota with um, Zimmer. They're trending well right now. I I don't see them changing. I I still see Zimmer. All right, Not so maybe back. Zimmer. The Giants and the Bears. By the way, Bears, well done by Zimmer on his girlfriend. Yes. I just want to throw that in the there. The Giants and the Bears, to me, are definitely changing. When I go down the list and look for the next team that would be changing off of a terrible season, I find the Seattle Seahawks. Like, maybe yeah. it's the end like for Pete Carroll and they're going to tear that whole thing up as they trade Russell Wilson. But I don't know that that's likely. So I'd say Giants, Bears, Minnesota, three. Then there's usually a surprise where somebody and Denver, leaves or gets fired. We should still mention Denver. Because Maybe Denver because they haven't figured out the quarterback deal and, and all of that. that but that he's just, done a pretty good job. The reason I, he has, I mean, so did Mike Malarkey won nine games and was told he's not being brought back. Yep. Um, and I only bring that up as an example. Well, that's because, a good example because he's got a new GM. Right. And that was right. like John Robinson. That's Malarkey exactly what wasn't I was going to bring John Robinson's Yeah. Guy. So a, that's a good point. New general manager and, and John Elway, why he's still involved in the organization, has separated himself 
from Fangio in the power department. So if if the new GM wants Fangio out, the new GM is going to be hiring a new head coach. That now, would be five on the extreme. A scenario that could throw some more craziness into college football would be in Chicago. Or uh, guys, I agree. Paul, you, you mentioned it sounds like uh, Matt Nagy is out in Chicago. Uh, they've all but written that story, and maybe I'm sure all the papers have already written that story and are waiting for the story to happen, and then they publish. Um, a name that would make sense for Chicago to look into is Ryan Day at Ohio State. Ryan Day, who coached Justin Fields, and it would make logical sense in that area of the country to hire Ryan Day as the next head coach of the Chicago Bears and pair him with your franchise quarterback, who is your franchise quarterback moving forward. Especially if Justin Fields loves the guy, which he does. My oh my, how that could throw some craziness into college football because Luke Fickle makes too much sense as the next head coach for Ohio State. He also is the front runner at Notre Dame. And if Notre Dame hires Fickle and then you have a scenario that opens up at Ohio State, here we go again. Fickle's taken. What would happen? I, I This is the juice I thirst for right here, Hutton. This, this is juicy. This is one that would, after I've, I've gotten hooked on it with Brian Kelly to LSU, with Lincoln Riley to USC, this is one that would really get the juices going if it happened. And... If Ohio State was open and Luke Fickle wasn't an option because he was already at Notre Dame, let's go through some possible Ohio State alums well, the, the, out the, there in coaching. Well, the one that makes the connection is Mike Vrabel here, who, I mean, we've, we've had the fun, the fun game of comparing his coaching salary to college salaries and who makes more, uh, Eli Drinkwitz or Mike Vrabel. The answer is the, the, the coach at Missouri is making more than the Tennessee Titans head coach. The guy who dressed up like a like Darth <clears throat> right. Vader. Yeah, a guy who is, you know, believes in, um, you know, probably ghosts and fairy tales <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, dresses up for Halloween at his age. He he makes more than Mike Vrabel. He for could being triple a head coach his at Missouri. salary, right? Um, yeah, I you mean, get nine million in yeah, Ohio State. Uh, yes, well, but here's the thing. I, I wanted to bring up Ryan Day as an example of what just happened at Notre Dame. They should already be re-upping him now. You you have him jump what Michigan State just did. That's just the price of doing business right now. And it's unfortunate that every year you're going to be into this. But Chad, how could you not? You save yourself what Notre Dame's going through potentially. A month from now? I really think if Ryan Day leaves, it's not over money. I think Ryan Day leaves because well, he wants to be in the NFL yeah. and out of college football. I think, it's, I think it's a lifestyle decision okay. for him. So, yes, if it was money that was keeping him there, and he said, if you pay me what Mel Tucker makes, I'll stay, Ohio State should absolutely pay that money. But I think if he left for the Chicago Bears to coach Justin Fields – He's leaving for something and, other and than money. I also want to throw in as we wrap up, Vrabel to me doesn't feel like a college head coach. I think it, he's perfect in the NFL. But I'm connecting what makes sense. And I know a lot of the hiring and firing in football right now doesn't make sense. Who saw what LSU just did with Notre Dame's coach Brian Kelly as 
example A. My 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 point being, if you're just playing the game of okay, who do, who does the NFL want in college? Ryan Day to Chicago, you can pair that up easily, and then the scenarios fall from there. More craziness, probably more by tomorrow when we start the show. We hope you'll join us. Thursday edition is going to be awesome. Can't wait. I'm going to go home and go to bed now. Uh, it's, dark. <laughs> it's been dark for an hour Chad, good night. I'll kick 360 back tomorrow, here. 2 o'clock Central, 3 Eastern. I heard he's going to gymnastics. Don't block <laughs> the box. Do lock the locks.